Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we're talking about processing your inbound leads. Before we do that, though, let's talk about the Plum Investment Group. Guys, do you have a property you need funding for? Plum Investment Group is your solution. Plum helps land investors grow their business by funding your raw land deal. It's truly an awesome deal, guys. And just to be clear, this isn't a loan. Plum will actually partner with you by putting up the money for your project. So do yourself a favor. Go check them out. The website is pluminvestmentgroup.com. Hey. What's up? Nothing. You know uh, what I recently um, had an epiphany about? Uh-oh. <laughs> it's a small one. It's a very small one. Okay. But it made it kind of made me feel like a boomer. And so I changed it. You are a boomer, my friend. <laughs> We're up there. It's uh, putting the WWW in front of a website. Yeah, you don't have to do it. You don't. Mm, no. No. And so, and I know probably for the first 200 episodes, I said www.plumbinvestmentgroup.com. But now, you can like, just say no, casualfridays.com. Right. Well, that's all you don't. Or casual if you Fridays put w, If you put www into a web browser now, it takes it off immediately, right? It's like, it's, yeah. it's antiquated. No one, it's gone. And so I had that realization maybe uh, two weeks ago. That's some MySpace shit. <laughs> that's before yeah. MySpace. Yeah. I mean, that's like AOL dial up. Didn't Justin Timberlake buy some MySpace? He tried to revive it, 2012 uh, or something like that? I don't know. I think after he did the movie with Mark Zuckerberg acting, when he played uh, the guy from Napster, Social Network. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Sean? Sean. Yeah, I don't know. Can't remember his last name. He, uh, what a major screwhead that guy was. Well, it's because he stole it because he was napping, because he's Napster. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> Napster, changed, Napster changed like a lot of things, but right, but then he had a a seat on the board with Facebook. He ruined that. And mm-hmm. then he had something else, PayPal or something like that. And he ruined all that. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, yeah. my friend. Cocaine yeah. and young chicks, they're hell of a drugs. Thing is, he keeps getting led on to these billion dollar ideas. Don't yeah. want to mess it up. Hey, he likes to party. So if he needs, if anyone out there huh. thinking about hiring Sean from Napster, but you know he's going to mess up. I'm free to take his spot. Yep. You, you have produced quite a few shows. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a billion dollar podcast out there, but ooh, I wonder what the most valuable podcast out there is. And when I say that, though, I'm talking like lifetime spin podcasts, like generates revenue of advertising, but also whatever product or coaching service or like what generates the most money total, like just because of that podcast is there. I think it'd be hard to judge because would you count podcasts that are their sole purpose is to raise money for investments? I would. You would. I would. Yeah. Well, it's got to be some kind of finance or real estate. Yeah, uh, that's, so at first when I first said that coming out of my mouth, I was like, "Oh, Joe Rogan's. He's got a ton of yeah. ton of advertising." There's that one guy above him, Adam. Uh, I can't think of his last name right now. He's, he was a comedian, okay, but he does more than Joe Rogan. He, I I heard Joe Rogan say that he does like two million a month in profit. Wow, not Joe Rogan, but this at the yeah. Adam guy. Yeah. So if we take those two, but then you think about like a Grant Cardone and his 10x stuff, and yeah. And what they generate because of the syndication piece, mm-hmm. and so that's that's like man, that's we start thinking about that value add and what that is, and you know the time that it takes for that. You know, it's a it's interesting to me. Yeah, it's like Kevin Bupp, the uh, mobile home and park mm-hmm. investor. Okay, I've heard him on his podcast open up a twenty million dollar fund and then sell it out. Wow, 
And so he, obviously he's been around for a little bit. So but like, he got how do you know he, he sells it out and, and how long? Like the next week when he puts out the next podcast, he says thanks for everybody that put in. Uh, he doesn't not in a week, but I, it's been I don't even know a timeline. But I know he'll say that we sold out Fund One at twenty million dollars, so we've decided to open up Fund Two. Wow. Okay. And that name is Sean Parker. Sean it Parker. just came to me. Did you look it up nope. on your phone? No, it, it just came to me. It's <laughs> okay. kind of like the the name earlier. Uh, Came out of nowhere. It's just like, what's a name that sounds familiar to me? And I had to go back in the Rolodex. My mind is working. Like, my body feels like it's ready and amped and running faster because of the nicer weather and quarantine kind of lifting some. But my mind's still trying to shift gears, it feels like sometimes. I'm trying to catch up. I don't know if it's the half bottle of wine on my hike at the winery yesterday or what. Maybe that's just how you process your leads, your inbound. It could be, but I'm really fast (laughs) at those. And I would would be willing to say that I've probably got it down to a, a pretty fast, quick art. You're talking about your real estate leads. Yes. I was just talking about maybe that's just how you process inbound stuff. Oh, okay. I thought that was a segue. It, it, was, into a seg- it was a segue. And then you backtracked on your segue. It's like you didn't commit to well, your segue. You didn't catch the drift of my segue. Like okay. I wasn't specifically talking about. I was trying to make like a small joke. I didn't get that yeah, at all. Didn't get I it. thought you were just podcasting University 101 and you're like segue into today's topic. We're in it now. This is, we're here. But are you committed now? Because, I mean, it was a joke I mean, for you at there's, first. There's, there's no going back now. Okay, we're here. We're Let's here. talk about it. Well, tell me how you process. So that's that's the fun thing for me is that, you know, so many people get hung up and get emotional on these deals and try and try and try to make things work. I'm just going to walk them through the basics of what I go through when a deal comes in. This is, you'll see it in the blueprint if you've bought it. You'll see it firsthand. It's not super... Like it's like people are like, oh, like you got to do all this due diligence and do all this stuff. And it is not that difficult. And when I say that, typically within about seven minutes, give or take, I can tell you whether I'm going to buy a property or not. Mm -hmm. I would probably agree with that. Okay. So, so many people, we had a a comment and a thread going and the guy was like, man, it's taken me two and three days to decide if I should pull the trigger or not. If you aren't certain it's going to make money, why, why are you taking that long? Don't be emotional. Just move off. So step one, they call Pat live. I get the lead in. It tells me county, size, APN, if they've accepted my price or not. If they say no, they don't accept my price and there's on a counter, I'm not chasing that lead down. Delete it. <laughs> yeah, uh, 100%. Obviously, right? That's Obviously, what you think. Yeah, but some people but... will look at the lead to see if it's worth to try to call them back and change them. Really? I've never heard that. And that, I have. that seems like a... Just a waste of time. It is, yeah. Okay, so we've got that guy out. Yeah. The next guy calls in. We offered him ten grand. He says, I want 40 grand on his counter. Yeah. Yeah, I want to sell, but I want 40 grand. We offered a third of what we thought market value was. So he's already over what we believe market value is. Can we change his opinion or not? Well, I don't even try. I you, know what I I know what comps were. I know what I offered. If, mm-hmm. if, if he wants four times what I offered, well then why are we looking? Right. Now, if the count like so if you know the county and say this one is, you're like, well, maybe this is in near Broken Bow, right? So we sent Offer out in McCurtain County, Oklahoma. South McCurtain's really cheap. Right at Broken Bow's really expensive. Maybe this one's right around it. So that one I will throw into my parcel software. I've got the APN in front of me. It takes me two seconds. I look where it's at. And if it's lakefront on Broken Bow, okay, now we we may have a value we need to look at. But it's not something I'm wasting a ton of time on. Mm -hmm. I gather that lead. It's when I'm on the parcel software and I've already done anything else I need to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next person that calls in, they say, hey, you want 10 you offered us 10 grand. We accept your offer. Here's my email and my phone number. Now we got a live hot lead, right? Yeah, I never call those people back. Joking. Again, joking. 
Now, your jokes are all over the place today, man. Somebody... <laughs> Come on, that should have been a very clear... <laughs> I was like, but you were straight-faced. If you're watching our YouTube channel, you'll see that he had a straight face on there, and I'm like, the fuck is he talking about? So... Yeah. Obviously, we call okay, those ob- people Obviously, that. we're calling them back. Um, so what we do in that property... Well, right, not go, first. Go we're not calling yeah, them back yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've accepted our ten grand offer, so we're going to check it, make sure it has access, so it goes into the parcel software. Parcel software looks at it. Depending on what parcel software you're using, if you're using Parlay, you're on Google Earth, you can check the topography. If you're using DataTree, they have a layer for topography on it. You can check it to see what it looks like. If you're using ParcelFact, you can't really see one there, so you can grab the, the Latin longitude off the right-hand side, throw it in your Google Earth, and now you can see the topography. So I've got access, got a road that actually goes to it, and it looks like it's something I can drive onto. At that point, I'm looking at it. If there's just a road to it, I'm going to get on Google Earth and see what it looks like there, if it's a big bar ditch, if there's a way to get onto the property, or what it looks like. If it's one of the flagpost ones, I'm kind of iffy at that point because I'm going to know I'm going to have to build a road to get access up there. Okay, we with me? I'm with you. Okay, yep. so from there... I'm thinking it through what you said, flagpost. You know what I'm talking about? Like a Tommy Hawk looking thing? It's got the little bitty handle and a big piece of property in the front or the back? The whole property itself looks like N- a... So if you think of a hatchet, uh-huh. the... the it's 20 acres back in the hatchet on the blade portion, and the handle's like this little strip that's 20 feet wide just to get to the road. Like it was like an easement cut in. Oh, okay, okay. On a survey. So that, that part coming down, you're saying, could be the access. That, that's your, that's your legal access, access. Yeah, but yeah, you're going to yeah. have to cut down gotcha. 200 feet of trees yeah. to actually access it. Yeah. So we're looking for the physical access, and then does it have legal access? From next, we go to the topography. So we get that Google Earth. We're looking at it whichever way we're looking at that, looking to make sure it's usable topography. These things are pretty easy. You can check your floods, your flood zone right there. When you're on, If you're on Parcel Fact, if you're on the other ones, you can just look at the filters or go to the FEMA site. So we're going to check for topography, flooding. From there, we're going to go check our comps to see if there's sold, listed properties anywhere around it. You can use Lands of America. It has the mapping function. You can use Zillow. You can use Realtor just to get an idea of what's going on it. I tend to figure Realtor and Zillow are a little bit higher priced than what you're going to see on Lands. Agreed. But it's it still gives you a running number to make sure your comps weren't too far off when you when you ran this property. So now we know it's got access. We know if it's usable property from the topography or whether it's flood map. Then we check the comps to make sure the value's there. So if the comps surrounding it show between $35,000 and $40,000, we've got a $10,000 offer on it. We know we're pretty solid. If we had to sell this thing for twenty or twenty two, shouldn't be an issue to sell it quickly at that price. Yeah, I like so, everything you're saying. So at this point, we call the person back and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that seems pretty. I mean that whole obvious. that whole process takes seven minutes. Yeah. So where where do you think people get hung up on that? Fear, I guess. Okay. Maybe that you're missing something by just seeing it online. I, you know, I I don't know. I'm just trying to think of yeah things it could be. I I don't know. Maybe it's too easy. Yeah, I mean it does sound too easy. Like, do I need to get a due diligence check sheet from somebody? Do I need to go spend thirty seven dollars with a VA to do that? Do I need to get a drone pilot down at that point? Yeah, I mean, those are all questions probably run through people's head and that could prevent it. Yeah, and those are things at that point. But now we've got to get title opened up. We want to make sure the names match, and we're going to make sure the contract and the name of the ownership you know, that's vested so we can send that to title and let them start doing your thing because they're going to tell us the corrective stuff that needs to be done. And most things can be corrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen that a lot this year where <sighs> almost every property that we have in a contract has, or yeah. every property. No, two of them didn't. Two didn't. Nope, take that back. One doesn't. One, yeah. One. One property didn't have a something that had to be curative. This one's going to have to have a probate just recorded. The one we looked at today that came back today from title. So that's not a big deal, but that's still something that's got to be done. 
The trust was set up right with the family, so that was on the 100 acre. That one's okay. And then we have the 60 acre or 80 acre that's got six heirs that all have a fractional piece of ownership that supposedly sold it, but they didn't sign sell the, all of their pieces. So they went from like 136 ownership to 172. Yeah. Ugh. And Indian Affairs involved. Got to get them involved to approve the deed. Yeah. It'd be six months from start <laughs> to finish on closing yeah. that one. Well, we have the one that has the probate getting done. Then we can, once the probate gets recorded, we can close on it. And it's still working too. Which what acre that 40 acre. Oh, yeah. That had been willed over since like 57 to two people. And then one of the people just died. And we can't move it. We can't move the probate because it hadn't been a year yet. It was nine months. Mm. Yeah, but here's the deal. On, on those properties, there's a headache on every one of them except for one, but there's half a million in profit. profit. Yeah. Now, ask yourself, would you deal with title companies and lawyers on small headaches to make half a million bucks? Yes. Yeah, no kidding. Simple. <laughs> but you. But looking forward at that, you're like, oh, shit, I don't want to deal with that. I want to only get the best of the best. Some of this stuff, you know, all these properties hit what we're talking about. They have legal access. You can drive onto the property. They have usable topography. They have tons of value in them. Now it's just getting those little stuff done. Get the professionals doing their job, and that's why we don't get too emotional about it in the front part. You know, Oklahoma is a rare bird because it's super expensive. You're risking a lot with getting an abstract done, getting attorneys' opinions, and the recourse is kind of weird on that. But the other stuff is just kind of it's in every other state. It's just no big deal. It's just get it there, and you may have to pay for a hundred and twenty-five dollar title report. Yeah, yeah, and especially you know, one hundred twenty-five dollars. That's in this industry. That's nothing. Nope. That shouldn't be a hang up for anybody. If if you're in an area where that's a where that's the price, right? Then mm-hmm. you should be moving forward pretty quickly. Yeah. So I, I guess that the big big question is what what we can do to get people to quit quit being so emotional and trying to squeeze every deal out of it. A lot of times what we see is you offered them ten, they came back and wanted thirty, it's worth forty. And you're like, Oh man, I can make ten grand still, but then you got closing costs on both sides, you're gonna pay a realtor if you lift it with them, or you could do it yourself, but you're still gonna have some marketing cost in there. So the question is, what do you do in that situation? Are you asking me? I, it's kind of rhetorical. I'll let you yeah. answer. You know, for me, if I say, okay, hey, it's worth 40. They countered back at 30. I offered 10. I draw my line. I have whatever that's 17. If that's 22, I say, hey, the best I can do is 22,000 bucks. Take it or leave it. If not, I understand. And just and and leave it there and go. Yeah. Yeah, that probably makes sense. That's, a, that's probably pretty good advice. Draw your line at what your price is. I was just going to jump straight to my answer at that one. Mm-hmm. The lowest they're going is thirty, and it's only worth forty. Well, then that ain't gone. That yeah. Ain't but if they get if they left their email and they have their phone number, you know that's worth a call. I've on deals like that, I've closed nine out of ten on those at my price, and just say, hey, hey, this is where I'm at. Call me if you're interested. And that's not a big deal. It just it keeps happening for us. Yeah, yeah. If we're uh, talking in that scenario, yeah. If you if they if they're willing to sell, you can always negotiate it, right? Draw yep. your line, draw your line in the sand of what you're willing to spend, and don't go. We actually had that conversation today about a meeting we have later. Mm-hmm. We drew a line in the sand on what we're willing to spend, and yep. if it works, it works. Yeah, interesting. It's funny how all this kind of melds together. Running a business, whether it's land or podcast or media, it all just kind of works. It does, and that's I think that's the fun part for me is when you see you were talking about a guy at lunch today that's a younger cat and he. He's doing pretty well for himself in Arizona, and he has several different legs to his businesses, but he layers them all on each other. And, you know, most of them all kind of layer on top of each other, except for one, his his ATM business is kind of outside the scope of his real estate kind of, I don't want to call it empire, but his little real estate niche, whether his license, his broker, his wholesale business, or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, but, you know, once you kind of figure out those keys to success, you know, you're having to willing to move forward, you're willing to 
just not be emotional about it. You're going to say no so many times on opportunities and deals. It starts all moving for you. And it doesn't matter if you're selling a widget or a gizmo, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can take every aspect from your business and find what made it work, what was successful, and you can implement it into other businesses. You're exactly right. One thing I love about that is when you see a person that's been an employee their whole life and they start running their own business, they start to understand why they had to do some of the things they do that didn't make sense to them as an employee, but why their boss is always asking them to do stuff like that. One thing I like working with people who have been employees for a long time is that now they understand why the boss, the owner, gets paid so much. Because when, when they become an entrepreneur, when they become the boss, because now they're oh yeah, they had to do so much, and it's not easy. Like someone who's had a twenty-year-long successful business making a million dollars, you can bet they've been through hell and back at least. Yeah, when the good times are good and the yeah. bad times are, and and right now coming out of this pandemic is a perfect example of that. There are tons of people that have put their blood, sweat, and tears into these businesses that are shut down because they're non-essential, and they're just waiting for somebody to to tell them, yeah, you can go back to work. And then we see that salon owner in Dallas, <laughs> I, and she, I, people showed up that she didn't know with guns to guard them, mm-hmm. to protect them, because they said, hey, she's fighting for what she built, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. She's going to end up losing her license. She doesn't have one. She doesn't? No. How's she cutting hair? She's not. She's just the owner. She's uh, not a licensed beautician. She rents them all chairs. So who, well, someone's got to be doing hair there. They're not showing the kids at are. Oh, they're not letting the, they're not showing the stylist in it, but they know who works there. Can't prove that they cut hair. <laughs> I guess that's true. And too. if you're you only accept, if you're only accepting your clients, yeah, I didn't know that was that involved. I just heard. Well, I, I don't know it's that involved. I'm telling that story because yes, that's what I want to believe because I believe <laughs> it's this just you know fuck the man type deal. Like let's yeah. see it, let's see it because I, I I see people that are just complaining on on social media about they can't go to work, they can't they can't go and run their business. And I'm like, you kind of have to fight for this at some point. There's some way around what you're wanting to do and how you're wanting to do it. So I'm sorry I made you yawn there. Dude, I'm I'm struggling uh, these last two days. Low-carb day? No, it's uh, just I want a Celsius so bad. Uh, yeah. We're, week three without one, though, right? Something like that, yeah. So Adam, has, he told us last week that he's doing a – he went to the trainer for his food to get his food dialed in. He's uh, Eat to Perform, I think, is the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been super happy with it and he's like a pound away from his goal weight already in like two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. And he gave up Celsius three weeks ago, four weeks ago to help his internal health. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's yawning now (laughs) because life's just not as fun. Well, see, I like lattes, coffees and whatnot, right? What I don't like is at home brewed stuff and I don't want to go to Starbucks every day and all that. And so I'm choking down this coffee in the morning, which I enjoy, but not any, it's like a, it's like a four or five where Celsius is like a eight or nine on, on the likability scale. Okay. Right. And so it's not like I can have two or three cups. Yeah. So I drink that one in the morning so I can get moving. And then after lunch, especially lunch that we just had, I'm ready for a little <laughs> nappy nap. Oh, you want cuddle? <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up here because I think that we've nailed the point. We've drilled in the, the, the idea of a, not being emotional, know your set parameters going into this and just process through it. It should be, there should be no variation in this. It should be just black and white, check yes or no. And if it matches three out of four, it goes to the three out of four pile. And maybe you have an exit plan for three out of four properties. You're only buying four out of fours. So keep moving forward. Cool. All right, then. That's it for today, guys. Uh, as always, do us a favor. Go to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Give us a like, a follow, and a subscribe. And then go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to wherever else you're listening to us. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Appreciate it. We love you. See you Friday. See you guys.